Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Hope everyone's doing well this evening. Uh, the Bundesliga is back. Match day one has just been uh, upon us uh, over the weekend. So, really exciting start um, to have Bundesliga footy back. Mark, what do you reckon to it all? Um, Bayern already won the league, or we still uh, still got time? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a little bit early to call that, but yeah, some really good games, a lot of goals. You know, we've kind of come to get used to that with the, the Bundesliga, really, haven't we? I mean, there always are a lot of goals, a lot of good games. But yeah, some might say it was a little bit disappointing the ease with which Bayern won the game. Obviously, we'll talk a bit more about that later. But yeah, I think in general, some good results, um, some some good games in general, and yeah, good start to the season. Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, we're going to be doing our featured four tonight. Um, so, obviously, the same sort of format as we did last season. What we're going to be doing differently, however, this season is we're going to be kind of mixing and matching our Monday night shows uh, for as long as it stays on a Monday anyway. So, uh, this week we're doing featured four. Then next week we'll be doing something different. So, always keeping things fresh. So, hopefully, everyone will enjoy that. But tonight's show will be about the featured four. So, a bit more an analytical and just kind of looking at the pure the purity of the football uh, rather than kind of uh, a talking point section or anything like that. Of course, um, one other thing to add, all sorts of bits of admin. So obviously, please do uh, say hello. Join us in the chat uh, for everyone that's watching. Like, comment, subscribe uh, to the channel. Uh, of course, this season we are, again, in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes. Uh, so obviously, Bundesliga Boxes are the only mystery box company who can provide you with a genuine shirt from Germany from Germany like I'm wearing uh, this evening my Tasmania number which I think you've got on as well Mark yeah um, yeah Tasmania <laughs> yeah yeah from the Bundesliga down to regional league um so each monthly batch has got a shirt a program pin badge stickers all sorts of other items too and they were voted the best mystery shirt company at the Kitsman Awards recently. So they are a brilliant company to work with. So we are indeed in partnership with them again this season. So uh, we'll just bring up the uh, the scores beneath it uh, in the banner below, which you can see, and, and the goal scorers. We'll be going through our top four, which we released on Twitter earlier. So we'll be going through that from fourth down to first uh, in a sec. But quick shout out to some of the other games that stood out to you, Mark, and that haven't made the top four. What, what would you say was your pick that maybe just narrowly missed out on our top four? Yeah, I think probably, you know, Gladbach's win over Hoffenheim, like a lot of pressure going into, obviously, for Gladbach this season under first game under Daniel Farker. They got off to a shocking start as well, actually, despite the fact that Posh was sent off for Hoffenheim, they actually went in front as well through Robert yeah. Stobb with a pretty well-worked goal with the... Uh, with the Kramerich assist, but then obviously a really, really good uh, response, especially the overhead kick from Ben Zabaini, I thought was fantastic as well to get them level. I think obviously the game Wolfsburg-Bremen uh, as well was an entertaining one. I think most people had that down as a, a Wolfsburg win. I had Wolfsburg as fifth place this season, you know, but probably not the best start from them. Probably a little bit lucky to get a point in the end, really, in some ways, but... Probably a good start for both sides in some ways with Werder getting the point away from home. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, I think the, the Sunday games were really good as well. Uh, obviously a good point for for my boys against um, a kind of stacked RB Leipzig team. Uh, so, yeah, some really good games. We're going to go into the future four in one second. But before we do that, we just thought, thought we quickly go through any of the uh, few of the big transfers that have been going 
through in recent days slash week over the weekend um, and just our thoughts and reaction to that probably. So first of all, Mark, the kind of the big swap deal between uh, Leipzig and Hoffenheim is pretty much now gone through. Uh, so Ram obviously started for Leipzig at the weekend and Angelino has gone the other way now. So Hoffenheim have announced that. Um, do you think, I mean, it seems like a, a good deal for both teams, I'd say. Like they both both teams will, you know, will get good players that they'll be able to use as starting players uh going forwards, won't they? Yeah, I think both are good players. I mean, Angelino didn't have probably his best season last year, but definitely a really good player for a team like Hoffenheim to get. He's still a coup in some ways, you know, considering the fact that he was starting games for like, you know, maybe not starting games, but he was in the periphery of the Man City team a few years ago, you know. So Hoffenheim fans are going to look forward to seeing him. I mean, they'll be upset to lose Round, but I still think that Angelino could potentially look better in the future, you know, because, you know, Raum had a great breakout season last year, but there's nothing to say that he's going to be world-class going forward. He could turn out to be a one-season wonder. You just don't know, you know. I, I didn't think he had a great start on his debut against uh, Stuttgart. I know he didn't have much time to settle in, but he looked a little bit rusty in that game, I thought. But, yeah, I think in general, you know, Leipzig will feel as though they've got an upgrade on Angelino, but I still think that Hoffenheim might still feel as though they might get the better deal in the long run with that one. Yeah. And Leipzig been busy in the forward department, haven't they? We, we've been talking about this ourselves a little bit um, earlier on. So it looks like Timo Werner has been given the nod to return to Leipzig from Chelsea. Obviously, a move that didn't really work for him in the first place. So he'll be coming back to the Bundesliga and probably lighting things up uh, for Leipzig. As, as well as, again, the, these aren't confirmed deals, but it sounds like the uh, the young, another hot talent striker, um, Sesco, uh, who plays for the sister club, <laughs> RB Salzburg. Um, looks like he's going to be joining Leipzig in 2023, a man who has been linked with my English club, Man United, another target that they failed to deliver on. But anyhow, um, so yeah, well, what do you reckon to that, Mark? You know, Leipzig really bolstering their attacking, <laughs> attacking kind of um, a pack that they've got. And, you know, Silva, the main <laughs> man who came in, well, last season might be uh, might be slightly worried as as to his place in the team. Yeah, I think that was my big question, really. I mean, for me, I'm a big Andre Silva fan. You know, I think he had a really good game as well against Stuttgart. I think he was the best player. Like the, What I like about Silva is the link-up play. You know, I mean, he's got that kind of physical strength about him. But, I mean, I think obviously it's, it's come from nowhere, really. I think obviously... From what I can gather, it's actually come from the player that he's actually expressed desire to rejoin Leipzig. I mean, yeah. and obviously Leipzig, they're not going to turn down a striker that banged in like 30 plus goals last time he played in the Bundesliga. So, and I do believe, I mean, he's suited to the Bundesliga. I kind of thought he might join Dortmund, to be honest. I kind of predicted yeah. him before the season ended that he might be the replacement for um Haaland, but yeah, he's obviously looks like he's going to end up at Leipzig. I mean, of course, he's a great signing. Like his record in the Bundesliga says speaks volumes, really. But my only worry about this signing is could it lead to the end of uh, Andre Silva's time? Because I'm not sure that Silva's going to be happy to play out wide potentially, or maybe Werner. I wouldn't imagine either of them are going to want to play out wide. That's the problem. Both of them feel as though the number nines. Both of them know they can score goals at this level. And I'm not sure there is, uh, whether Tedesco is going to be able to keep both players happy. That's my fear with this one. But 
I mean, whether Leipzig obviously maybe consider Werner as an upgrade on Silva, but I, I'm not fully sure because, I mean, Silva we know recently has banged in, you know, 25, 30-plus Bundesliga goals, whereas uh, Werner did have a tricky time at Chelsea, let's be honest, and his confidence might be a little bit low at the moment. What do you think about that one? Do you think he could be an up, a replacement or an upgrade or what are they looking for there? It's hard to say. Are they preparing for life eventually without Nkunku? So they just want to strengthen. They saw an opportunity to do a deal, uh, and you know, and Werner will now stay put probably because he's had his shot at the Premier League. So he probably won't fancy going back anywhere else for a long while. So I think you know, for this season, they'll come in and what what great squad depth that will be if they can hold on to their players. A um, couple of other quick transfers to mention. I think Anthony Modest to BVB which we mentioned in the fantasy draft show, didn't we, that we thought didn't make much sense, but it looks like that's going to happen. So uh, I think he had his medical today or he was pictured having his medical. So that will go through and obviously that will give Dortmund another option whilst Haller is, you know, is recovering. Mm. And of course, we wish we wish him all the best and hopefully he's playing very soon for them. Um, big blow for Cole as well, uh, losing um, a player of that, you know, calibre and how, how well he played for them last season. But of course, he's ageing. Um, quick fix for Dortmund, isn't it, really, Mark? You know, not much more to say on it. He'll, you know, he'll give them that, you know, that extra kind of physicality and height, and we all know what his strengths are, don't we? Yeah, I think for the player, I can understand why he wants to do it. I mean, it's a chance to start in the Champions League. I would imagine he will be the starting striker as well for at least the next two or three months. I think the biggest losers in this one really are Cologne, are Cologne as you say, because I just think, uh, you know, he was their starting striker and I'm not quite sure what really Cologne have got out of this deal, in truth. I mean, I don't know, obviously the official details haven't been released yet, but yeah, I think Ballum in the comments there said, yeah, Cologne have Tigers, yeah, but obviously he didn't really score. I think he, he has potential Tigers, that's for sure, but he didn't really score that many goals, let's be honest, for Dortmund. I mean... It's big boots to fill because he got 19 league goals last season, Modest. And I'm, I'm not sure really what Cologne have really got out of this deal in truth. But I think for Dortmund, it, it's a punt. I wouldn't imagine his cost very much, if anything, really, you know, because he is 34. I think he was out of contract. I would imagine we're looking at one, two million maximum, really. And obviously, I think they needed a striker. And I think, yeah, I think for the player and for Dortmund, it's a decent deal. But I think Cologne are the big losers for me in this deal. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we'll see as time goes on. We'll come back to your question, Balan, about Leipzig and Dortmund winning the league in uh, in a moment. But um, without further delay, let's not um, whistle too too long about the transfers because we want to get we want to get in depth about these games that we're going to be covering. So we'll start in reverse order, Mark. So do you want to lead us off with our first first game of this season from our featured four? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously counting down the four, we're going to start with the fourth place game, which was FC Augsburg nil, SC Freiburg four. I mean, what can you say about this game, really? I mean, it's actually the second time in a row that Augsburg have kicked off the season with a 4 nil defeat as well, as they got smashed by Hoffenheim by the same scoreline last season at home as well. But yeah, I mean, actually the first half was, I would say, Augsburg possibly even shaded it, really. I mean, obviously the big team news was the fact that the new, obviously all of the new uh, signings started for Freiburg as well, with Doan, with Grigorovic, obviously lining up on his debut against his former club as well, ironically. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, obviously, uh, the other player being Ginto, who I think nobody's really surprised to see him. So probably the big marquee sign, really, from Freiburg, signing from Gladbach. But, yeah, the first half was actually, you know, the underdogs, kind of the eternal underdogs, really, Augsburg, you know. That, that man, Daniel Caliguri, knocked a few efforts just wide, a good dipping effort halfway through the first half went just wide. I think uh, Freiburg, you know, they had a couple of little, uh, you know, uh, efforts but not really much in the first half but Rory the second half what happened for both sides really just went from bad to worse for Augsburg and better and better for Freiburg didn't it yeah it did yeah really strong start uh start to the second half and before uh before Augsburg fans had come back from their you know from from their drinks breaks at halftime or anything else like that their team were 2-0 down um so, first of all, you know, the, the sucker punch of Gregorovic um, getting his his goal against his old club. So, um, nice bit of play from the fullback, actually, uh, Siladia. Um, he, you know, won the ball quite bravely, stuck his head in there, you know, piled, you know, piled on down the right-hand side and, and put in a good ball. And it was actually a good header, to be fair, from from the striker who... Who got his um got his goal? So that's one nil after basically the first minute of the second half, and then Grifo just doing what the Italian stallion does best, whipping in free kicks. Um, this one went obviously from the right hand side all the way into the far left hand corner, curling outwards. Um, so it's quite some skill to have managed to have done that directly. Um, do we maybe think that Gikovic could have done slightly better? But it was here quite a lot of pace, so. Yeah, it, it was a great free kick, and and then yeah, all, all of a sudden the home side are, are really up against it in the second half, um, and yeah, Freiburg went from strength to strength, didn't they? So another new signing got himself an opening goal. Uh, Ginter with like a a half volley slice um, from a Grigorovic um, header slash assist, so an assist and the goal against his old club. Um, so it was a really good finish by Ginter. So that was his debut goal again against Augsburg when he scored against them as an 18 year old, uh, for, for Freiburg. So it's a nice symmetry there for uh, for Ginter coming back. Um, and he had a lot of different options, I think, uh, with regards to making this transfer. So was, I'm really glad they did choose Freiburg in the end. And, um, so yeah, 3 0. Um, so yeah, Augsburg really, really struggling and. And yeah, a bit of a messy spell led to yeah another debut on getting himself a goal, and that's Ritsu Doan, who of course we saw doing really good stuff for um, Armenia Bielefeld, and that was four 0 And yeah, game game over. But yeah, it was an interesting game because it was quite well. Augsburg came out of the blocks quite well in the first half, didn't they? But uh, Freiburg's class, um, and you have to say that came came to the fore in the end. And yeah, strong opening performance from them and. They look good. Um, I think we've kind of said in the comments, do, do we maybe think Freiburg will push for top four? We certainly had them up around there, didn't we, in our predictions, Mark? Yeah. I think um, we went uh, fifth in the end, didn't we? Yeah, so can, you know, if someone like Leverkusen's a bit more up and down, can Freiburg, you know, do that? How will they manage in Europe this season? Though it might be the, the counterbalance between that. But, yeah, brilliant performance for them. And, um yeah, a worrying start for Augsburg, but it's nothing that their fans haven't seen before, I guess. Yeah, I think obviously ju just a bit of a note on Augsburg as well. I mean, the fact that uh, they, they have started the season with a new manager who maybe is seen as a little bit abstract as well. So I'll just tell you a little bit about him before we move on. So it's Enrico Marson, his name. 
Yeah, obviously they brought him in after spending two years in Borussia Dortmund's second team, actually, yeah. obviously. So very much an obscure name, because I think they play in the Nordrhein-Westfalen Regional League. So like, I think he's coming from quite far down, really, there, you know. He, he, he did manage a couple of other local clubs as well, uh, Rödinghausen and... Uh, Doctorson, yeah, I mean, they're not exactly the most famous clubs, but, you know, he finds himself in the hot seat at FC Augsburg. I think for me, the surprising team news as well is the fact that once again, we didn't see that man Pepe as well. Ricardo Pepe, obviously, the mm. massive 80 million euro signing in um, January, again, coming off the bench. I mean, for me, I would like to see him start and give him a bit more effort. I mean, we saw Demirovic, who wasn't exactly pro prolific for Freiburg, was he start ahead of him, which, you know, I mean, what's going on with that at all? They, must, they clearly don't rate him. I just think it's a case that they just don't rate the young guy at all. I mean, he came in from really, really big, big money, a good reputation in America, but it's just not worked out for him. And I'm really, really surprised to see that they've not started him, really, especially when a guy like Demirovic, who's not exactly got a great track record, as he of scoring goals in the Bundesliga, starting ahead of him. I mean, that that must be a bit of a blow for the young lad's confidence, really. But, you know, yeah. as you say, we've seen Augsburg start slow before, but we've got to see maybe the... Obviously, they go away to Leverkusen next week, which is not easy at all. And, you know, they've got to find a way to kick their season off, that's for sure. Agreed. Okay, so yeah, let's uh, swiftly move on to the third game. And it is that game. It was the Capital City derby, wasn't it, between Union Berlin and Hertha Berlin. And Hertha Berlin clocking up the fourth straight win in all competitions against the City rivals. Hertha, obviously, they beat them three times last season, twice in the league and once in the cup as well. And this was what yet another very, very comfortable home win, really, for Union Berlin. I mean, I think probably, again, the big team news before we start was the fact that, as we know, as we mentioned, Awani did join Nottingham Forest and his replacement, Jordan Sabachu, came in from for €6 million Euros from a young boy's burn. He's actually an American centre-forward as well, which I didn't mm. know actually before yesterday. Yeah. Another American in the Bundesliga. And he started this game with a goal, actually, as well. Really, really nice ball coming in from the box. And... To be honest, it kind of reminded me of a kind of our knee finish as well in some ways. Really, really neat header beyond the despairing dive of Christiansen, who obviously is going to be the starting keeper for Hertha Berlin this season after the departures of Shvalov and Lotka. But yeah, it was already 1-0 after about uh, 31 minutes. I think Union just completely dominated that first half, didn't they? They, they looked good. Obviously, Yannick uh, Harborough also making his uh, debut as well. Looked very, very good in that midfield, I thought. that Some of the usual faces, Haraguchi, Trimmel back in the starting lineup as well. I think the other debutant was uh, Diogo Leiter, who they've signed on loan. He also looked solid at the back. So, yeah, Union just comfortably taken into 1-0 at halftime through that goal from Sabaccio. And then Rory, second half was more of the same, mostly, wasn't it? Yeah, more or less. Um, pretty good performances by Union. They're, you know, they're reliable players to keep on keep on pulling out the stops, don't they? Um, obviously, the Davidson keeper, Chris Christensen for Hertha, um, I think pulled off quite a lot of big saves in, in general, didn't he? Made a really good one from uh, Ryerson in the first half um, and, and was busy throughout. Um, but yeah, Geraldo Becker making the most of some good interchanging play from a short corner um, and, and was kind of played in. Um, 
and, and slotted home from about 10 yards with a nice little finish um, after a really good pass to him for the assist. Um, and then a couple of minutes later, unfortunately, they um, conceded again. This Sorry, this one was the one from the corner um, as Nocte um, did in a Trimel corner, of course, from Trimel. Um, good header, but not a header with any great pace, uh, but it was obviously really accurate to get uh, past Christensen because he couldn't get there into the far corner. Um, and yeah, it never looked like a great kind of deal of threat or kind of threat of a comeback, at least in the game from that point onwards from Herta. Um, nice consolation goal scored by Luke Bacchio. Um, so that's one thing to take forward for them, I guess, and, uh, and kind of build build on that. But um, yeah, comfortably beaten, I have to say. Uh, not obviously the start to the season that Herta would have wanted. Um, and they've got a pretty tough start in general fixtures-wise, I'm pretty sure. So that, you know, that will test the squad and, you know, the the players that they've brought in will have to go into the deep end and try and see what they're all about, really, after the shock loss in, in the cup as well. Um, so not appeasing the fans straight away, unfortunately. But Union, yeah, doing what they're doing. Interesting to see from across the Bundesliga sphere of, you know, experts and things like that, seeing that a lot of people are predicting Union to do a lot worse this season. I've even heard shouts of them coming in close to uh, to relegation, which I don't agree with. Um, but yeah, they started off the season really well and, and a good start to clean up in the Berlin derby. Uh, really like Becker up front, great, pen, uh, great energy and pace about him. And, and they kind of use that their advantage in this game and yeah Jordan Jordan P. Fook obviously Sabatchu there's all, all this kind of thing about his name but I think he's going by Jordan P. Fook um, this season He's his Twitter name is call me P. Fook <laughs> so <laughs> any confusion about that so I think we, we will try and refer to him as as Jordan P. Fook he's just got Jordan on the back of his shirt actually interestingly enough and it's all to do with his um, obviously with his heritage I think his dad's I think his dad's side of it is the Sabatchu and P. Fook, his mother's side, uh, which obviously got the US kind of linked to it. So hence he's used that part of the name and, and has become a US, uh, you know, uh, national player as well. So he's looked good so far. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do in an Union shirt. be hard for him to fully replace what Awanyi's done. Um, but, you know, the, Union keep on plucking these players from from nowhere it seemed well not from nowhere but it looks like a pretty good signing so far so yeah a good day out for Union and and her to yeah they'll be tested over these next three to four games because the fixtures don't get any easier for them I'm afraid yeah I think you've got to question some of those pundits uh tips at times haven't you really because for me I can see Union being closer to the to the Champions League places for me than the relegation. I don't even think they need to think uh, for a day about relegation in truth, Union. I think they've still got a quality side. They're, they're just the way they make signings is just absolutely brilliant. I think people are reading too much into the loss of Awanini. I don't, if you watch this game, I mean, I don't think they looked short of creating chances. They could have scored more goals easily on top of the three that they got. And against an admittedly, I'll be honest, a pretty poor Hertz side who I expect to. I mean, obviously, my tip was relegation this year for Hertz. And there was nothing I saw in that game that made me think that they won't go down this season, to be honest. But as for Union, I think we predicted them to be around about eighth or so, maybe a little bit lower because they've got Europa yeah. relegation. Give me a break, seriously. No, I, I think... think being anywhere near that in truth, you know. 
The only thing that yeah worries me with Union is maybe the depth in terms of the quality that they got and their age profile because they're quite an old team. But yeah, they don't worry me in terms of relegation, not not in the slightest. And obviously they started the season really strongly by the looks of it. So yeah, not not. And also maybe. even as you look at their bench, the likes of Pantovic, Leveling, Gieselman, all coming off the bench, you know. So they do have some quality and. I mean, I admit they've not got the most strength in depth, but you can't imagine that from a team like Union. But I mean, in terms of their budget, I think they've got perfectly satisfactory uh, strength in depth for me. And I, I think a top half finish would be another great finish for them. As for for Hertha, it's just, you know, for me, it's about staying up incredibly, despite all the money that they've spent this season. Anything short of anything above relegation would be a success for them. Yeah, they brought in um, Jean-Paul Botius today on a free transfer. That That's a signing yeah. that makes sense to me. So fair play, that's a decent signing, I think. Yeah, that's the kind of signing they need to be making for the next month because looking at that starting lineup, the likes of David Selke getting games again, we, you know I'm not a massive fan of him at all. You know, I think Kempf has been dreadful since signing from Stuttgart. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I mean, he had an yeah. absolute horror show in this game. He was sliding all over the place, getting nowhere near... Yeah. Union attackers and yeah it's just you know for me as I say if they finish 15th this year they've had a good season I'm going to be honest with you and yeah it's going to be another struggle for them this year that's for sure okay so let's move on to game number two I mean this was an absolute classic for some of the right and some of the wrong reasons I would say in this game FC Köln versus Schalke Nulfia obviously the big news the fact that Schalke are making their big their kind of you know return to the Bundesliga after a year away under Frank Kramer as well you know obviously yeah. he wasn't the man that led them to promotion so some surprises really when they decided to replace the manager with Frank Kramer who obviously pretty much got uh, Bielefeld relegated last year but I think obviously Kramer has shown quality at times in, in his time at Bielefeld but obviously ultimately had to go down as a failure really I guess because you know he did get them relegated despite decent investment really at times last year but yeah as for this game I thought they started absolutely brilliantly didn't they they started mm. so so well and obviously they did have the ball in the back of the net as well through um through the new signing Yoshida, who absolutely leathered the ball into the back of the net uh, from the miscleared corner. But for me, the, this was one of them, obviously, it goes to VAR. For me, it should stand because I, I just think, obviously, there is the uh, Schalke player in between the last man and the goalkeeper of uh, Köln. But for me, how can he get out of the way, really? Do you know what I mean? He can't get out of the way because, obviously, the ball is absolutely rocketed in. It's a long, long VAR check, and they look at this for ages. I, I'm thinking he's going to give it, but in the end, he doesn't, much to, to the delight of the Köln fans who, you know, I think the German commentator said Glück for Schalke, for, for Köln, which basically means lucky Köln, you know, and I think everybody said in the German commentary that, yeah, he was pretty fortunate for Cologne to get away with that one. What would you say, Rory? Do you think he was right to disallow that one, or do you think it was a bit hard on Schalke? Uh, well, yeah, just to clarify, as Yoshida is the man in the way of the shot, yeah, sorry, Salazar, yeah, yeah, Salazar who hit it. Um, yeah. I think tricky, isn't it? Because, like you say, how, how do you get out of the way of that, really? Don't you? And but by the letter of the law, you know, if that's if that's the technical definition of what offside is and interfering with the goalkeeper's line of sight, then then it's the right decision. It hard, so harsh to say that, though, isn't it? But, um, in terms of a foot for being like purist of football like what what can you do but the way 
we we've been moaning a little bit um in the last few weeks i think we had this conversation about the offside rule and and you know we want clarity on it and stuff like that so you know if that's if that's the ruling now then yeah fair enough stick to the letter of the law and you have to you have to kind of police it that way but there's gonna be a lot of goals that are disallowed because players just naturally find themselves in those positions so i think it was harsh but by the letter of the law i guess it's the right call um yeah. And then, which obviously leads us on to the other big talking point of the first half. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think you can blame the rest, but I think it's the rules that are at fault there. Because as you say, for me, there's no way in a million years he's going to save that, even if uh, obviously Yoshida isn't in the way. But yeah, it's uh, the letter of the law speaks. And I think very, very unlucky for Schalke. And I think if that goal was allowed, we could have seen a very different result, to be honest, in this game. But yeah, just uh, this was after about 10 minutes and then 25 minutes later, it got even worse for Schalke in terms of the refereeing decision when Dominic Drexler, obviously one of the big hopes for Schalke as well, the attacking midfielder slash wide player for Schalke was dismissed for a tackle again. When, when you first see this, you think, you know, there's no way it can be a red card really when you first see it. But it's one of them when it's slowed down, the foot does look high and it does look like he takes a bit of a hack against a cone player. But yeah, for me, uh, I think this one was harsh. I'm going to be honest with you on the Schalke player. It looks worse when it's slowed down with the VAR, I'll be honest. But was it yeah. really a red card? For me, it's a no. I wouldn't have sent him off for this one. What would you have done, Rory? Do you think it was the right decision or not? Uh, well, a friend of the show, um, Derek Ray, put this on Twitter. He think he basically kind of said, called it an orange card. Like he felt it was kind of like in between, which I guess is what you've said, Mark. Um, yeah, from when you look at it in slow mo, it looks quite nasty. Um, mm. But it's obviously kind of like a bit of a, a bit of an accident. Um, obviously, I don't doesn't look like Drexler's trying to do that um, to Jonas Hector. Um, so, yeah, I think it's harsh. I, I do think it's harsh, but when when it's slowed down, it, it doesn't look good either. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. Schalke were dealt a hard, a harsh hand in that first half, and obviously that led to what happened in the second half, really, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, yeah, the, the goal was, I agree, to the letter of the law, it was right. But, you know, in this case, in my opinion, the letter of the law should be changed, really, in that case. So I think that Schalke can be hard done by. As you say, the, the foul, I think in first halves, players usually get away with these ones. You know, as referees like to be, in my opinion, they tend to be a bit more lenient in first halves, you know, because to try and keep the game 11 v 11 as long as possible. So I think for me... In most games, that would be given as a yellow, to be honest. But obviously, the ref decided to send uh, the Schalke man off. Obviously, Drexler. So, Schalke just about hung on. And then, to be honest, it was like the Alamo, really, in the second half, wasn't it, from Köln? I mean, they just absolutely destroyed Schalke, I thought, Rory, in that second half. Yeah, it was hard work for Schalke, obviously, being the man down. And, and Köln played it really well, um, scoring some good goals in the process. Um Obviously, uh, there was a, a, a nice kind of sliding in goal for Killian um, when he pro managed to get on the end of Hector's cross after a bit of neat interchanging uh, that they worked from a short corner. So, like, working the space, using the extra man to their advantage. Um, the second goal, obviously, is a bit unfortunate in regards to the goalkeeper, Sholu, uh, not uh, covering himself in glory, um, the former Hertha man. So, yeah, a bit of a fumble in the box, which led to Tielemann almost scoring, which a couple of good blocks in there, but eventually Florian Kynes came in and smashed it in. 
Um, I think this one was looked at as well at VAR, wasn't it? Um, yeah, look for a long time, yeah. Yeah, for for offside. Um, so yeah, that that one again eventually stood. So yeah, no great flow to the game with these decisions, I guess. But on the face of it, I guess they've made a couple of tight calls. Um, but yeah, then Schalke did get themselves back into it. Uh, substitute Marius Butler or Butler um, headed in a near post free kick and so I was a nice glancing header actually um with about 15 minutes to go so you're thinking game on you know can Chalka go all out maybe nick a goal make it 2-2 and get themselves a point on opening day but that was quite quickly um yeah put to bed as uh Lubicic, uh made the most of a good teal man cross and again a bit a bit unlucky for the keeper Schwalu because it uh it did, did it hit the post and then hit him and go in so not um not a great not a great day at the office for him um so well a mistake and then one bit of bad luck uh so yeah Schalke can consider themselves unlucky for well not score not having another goal not being you know down, uh, having a full complement of eleven players and two very preventable goals I guess if locks with you or if your goalkeeper holds on to the basic cross. Um, so, yeah, on another day, could have been 1-1, 2-1 to Schalke, anything. But, um, yeah, obviously maybe Kona, you know, having to learn to play a slightly different way now. Obviously, Mark Oots was unavailable due to a yeah. groin injury, I think. And obviously, Modeste was left out, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, so, yeah, Kona will have to quickly you know adjust the way they play as a result you know they did score a couple of you know different type of goals obviously with the low crossing um and obviously a good header by um by Lucic in the end so other players will step up for them I'm sure but I think I don't I can't envisage Cohn's you know level of football being able to be the same as what they did last season so I do expect them to maybe drop a few places and be more of a mid-table sort of team um but yeah, they're a good a good strong start for them. They'll they'll be absolutely loving it. Baumgart will no doubt get get his players riled up for the entirety of the season. Um, and Schalke an encouraging start. Um, and they'll you know hopefully their luck will change in, in that regard going forwards, and they'll have a few few better um, results. And I'm sure this season will be nothing like their disastrous season a few seasons ago. Much different squad as well. Um, a lot more fresher and yeah. Obviously, the manager, Frank Kramer, gets another chance with them as well. So it'll be very interesting to see how they go. Yeah, I agree with you, Rory, on the fact that I definitely saw enough in Schalke to think that the, they don't look one of the worst sides in the division based on the first week, that's for sure. I think they do. it was just one of those days, wasn't it? They just got unlucky. It was as simple as that for me. You know, I just don't think... You know, again, you can't really blame the rest. Just they just didn't get the rub of the green in this game. A lot went against. I mean, as you say, Rory, even the third goal with Lubacic, it clatters off the post and then just hits poor Shvalov's legs when it's going in. You know, it's just it was just one of those days. Like four or five things went against Schalke in this game, and I don't think they'll be too disappointed with the performance. It was a difficult start against a Köln side who we know like to attack and play that kind of full energy football, but. 
I guess in some ways they might see it as a missed opportunity with obviously Cone being a little bit weaker without Oot on the desk, who were like probably the two-star attackers last season, really. But yeah, Cologne will be happy they got off to a win, but they might have to, uh, you know, maybe Tigues could be the answer to replace um, a desk potentially. Or, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring another attacker in before the transfer deadline day, which is still about I think two or three weeks to go. In that, probably three weeks actually. Looking at the yeah, they've games, got. Um... Adamian as well, who came on as yeah, a sub. I think he'll be a decent addition as well. Yeah. And obviously, Tigues is kind of a similar kind of striker to Mendes. Obviously, a bit more yeah. of a kind of target man. But whether he can get the kind of goals, that's the problem, I guess. You know, can he get the number of goals even close to what Mendes got last season? But yeah, again, I think both these sides will be, you know, mid mid to lower mid table, I would say. You know, maybe Schalke might be a few places down due to inexperience, but. Yeah, no, relatively good start for both sides, I would say. So, yeah, let's move on to the game of the weekend, which was a bit of a strange one because I think most of us were building it up to be, you know, like a massive game, Europa League champions against, obviously, Bundesliga champions who obviously started for the first time in, I think, about eight seasons without Robert Lewandowski. Everyone was like, how are they going to cope? Obviously, they looked good in our watch-along, didn't they, Rory, against uh, Leipzig? So, I think that kind of you know, quietened a few doubters about this buy-in side this year. But, I mean, if that game didn't quieten the doubters, then this game most definitely did, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people were tipping maybe a draw in this game, even a shot Frankfurt win, but anything but really, wasn't it? I mean, we, we always say on this show, don't we, Rory, that, uh, you know, buy-in, they just love this kind of occasion. When people are doubting them, that's when they turn in the best performances. <laughs> like, they, let's just say they managed to do that in style in this game. It took only five minutes to open the scoring, and what a goal it was, too. I mean, a little bit of a soft free kick, probably about 30 yards out, wasn't it? I mean, probably Frankfurt wouldn't have been overly concerned, about four and a half minutes on the clock. Kevin Trapp is just preparing his wall, probably expecting the ball to be swung in for maybe Mane or maybe someone else to try and get on the header. But no, that man, uh, Joshua Kimmich, decides to go for the audacious and he goes to like the swinging uh, shot. Looks like it's going wide, but then beautifully curls in and kisses the post on the way to going into the back of the net, past the diving trap, who realises he's messed up, really, doesn't he? He doesn't think there's any chance that Kimmy can go for the shot here. But for me, this is just a beautiful piece of play from a brilliant player. You know, I, I think he only has probably like half a metre to aim for. Otherwise, it either goes wide or it's a comfortable save for trap. But he managed to get manages to get enough whip, enough pace and enough direction to brilliantly guide it past trap. That's just the start that Bayern want. Within five minutes, they've already got a lead in this tricky away game. I'll be honest with you, Frankfurt were all over the place at this point, all over the place. I mean, obviously, defensively, they had problems this season, I'm going to be honest, because obviously Hinteregger left, uh, shockingly retired at the end of last season, didn't he, which nobody expected. But Il Sanka, who, you know, was on the periphery of the first team, he joined, I think, Genoa in uh, Italy. So they were left with that man, Almami Triatore, to replace uh, Hinteregger, and he just didn't cover himself in any glory whatsoever in this game. Just a few minutes later, it was 2-0 as well. And it was that man, Benjamin Pavard, who to me seems to be having a bit of a kind of renaissance in his Bayern Munich career because he wasn't really rated for his first probably year or two at the club. But, you know, had a decent season last year and started this season really, really well too. He kind of lashed home the loose ball 
really well actually under the dive of the defender to make it 2-0 after just 11 minutes. And then I think, yeah, actually, uh, Frankfurt came close a couple of times. They had a header off the underside of the bar, which, you know, you could be saying if that one goes in, you know, it's a different game, isn't it? Because we know that Frankfurt are a good attacking side. It just smashes the underside of the bar and goes out. Very unlucky. That was just a couple of minutes after buying second as well. But then after a bit of a lull in the game, we did get the third goal. And it was that man, the Bundesliga debutant, uh, Sadio Mane, who gets the third goal and pretty much kills the game. And it was Gnabry with the assist. I think, for me, Gnabry was probably the man of the match in this game. I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. He supplied the cross. Lovely little dinking cross into Mane, who just took the header past the diving trap. And that's 3-0 inside half an hour, Rory. And you're just thinking, I was watching this and just thinking, how does this happen time after time with Bayern, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it was an imperious start, wasn't it? Um, they they were so fluid, like they were in in the Super Cup. They you know they got forward really really well, and yeah, they scored some really good team goals as well. But they were helped by the way that Frankfurt defended, like you say, Mark. They were very all over the place. Um, there was gaps all over the shot, uh, particularly down their left hand side. Uh, Bayern got in a couple of times down there, and and Gnabry and Muller and Musiala all, all you know made the most of that um, by either assisting or scoring goals. You know some good cutbacks and a good interchanging play. Um, Musiala was fantastic. Gliding past players with ease, great feet. Um, so, like, yeah, he was incredibly impressive. Uh, yeah, Mane obviously kind of completing their attacking plethora of players um, going forward so, so impressively. Um, obviously, you know, they dropped off in the second half, but of course you would. So you're fighting it up. The game's <laughs> the game is long done. Uh, at least Frankfurt, you know, put it in for the second half and didn't capitulate entirely um, and got themselves a goal, albeit from a Neuer mistake, um, which, you know, can very easily happen with the way that he defends his goal and comes out. Um, but yeah, Musiala with the last say um, as well. So yeah, as we've kind of put as the headline of, of this show, imperious start from Bayern. Um, they look so strong. Like, James in the comments asked the question as we had from um, earlier on by by Ballum in terms of you know who's going to win the league or you know are buying now a better team, which is what James has asked. Without Lewandowski, um, from a team perspective and getting the most out of everyone else around them, maybe um, because you know for for Lewandowski to score the goals they did of course you know certain players have to make sacrifices or or do a bit of extra hard work or something like that not saying that Lewandowski was a lazy player because he wasn't he scored all sorts of different types of goals um but maybe there's more of a freedom uh maybe there's not as much of a pressure on Nagelsmann now uh with regards to you know having to always utilize Lewandowski because he was the hero um and it's just quite refreshing actually as much as we loved Lewandowski because he's such a big name, such a legend of Bayern and the Bundesliga. But it's just refreshing to see Bayern playing a different way. New players making their, you know, making their mark on the league. A new superstar, global superstar in the shape of Sadio Mane coming to the Bundesliga, implying his trade. Um, so I think it's all really positive, really. And, and 
Bayern will still be an incredibly good team across the league, the Cups and everything else like that. So they'll still be incredibly hard for Dortmund or Leipzig to to get anywhere near them, if I, I would say, this season. Um, so, yeah, lot, lots of learnings for, for players to, or for, sorry, for teams to do this season. Frankfurt uh, will need to improve because uh, we've tipped them to do quite well this season. Uh, we think they will. They've made a couple of decent signings. Um, but yeah, defensively, they're really poor and they'll have to improve because they've got Madrid on Wednesday, which nicely rolls into um, just a reminder that we, of course, are going to be doing a live watch log for that. So make sure you uh, set some time aside Wednesday night to join us on YouTube Live and we'll be doing a watch along for that game, Frankfurt versus Real Madrid in the UEFA Super Cup. Uh, kickoff is eight o'clock, so we'll be going live five minutes beforehand, just to quickly look at the lineups. So yeah, we're really looking forward to that one. But yeah, I think Frankfurt will want to uh, slightly tighten up considering they've got Madrid uh, as well. So yeah, very impressive start by Bayern though. Yeah, I think maybe a few signings could be needed for Frankfurt as well, because I think really only Goethe has come in, you know, and I, he didn't, to be honest with you, I'm still not overly convinced by the signing of Goethe, in all honesty. He didn't really convince me very much in this game, and I, he's got a lot to prove. I think that he's still good enough to play at a high level, really, in, in truth. Obviously, he has had a lot bad luck with, like, conditions and things. I think he had that condition, didn't he, about that kind of uh, hindered his career a little bit. But yeah, Bayern, the fluidity up front is literally scary. It really is. The two games, I've watched both games of theirs all the way through so far, and they've just been ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous in both games. I still think defensively you can still score goals against them. They do concede chances, that's for sure. But going forward, Mane, just the running that he does is just the defenders don't know what to do. Literally, they don't know what to do when he's around. But yeah, just another point I wanted to mention as well. Uh, good, nice comment as well. Disagreeing with us a little bit. We're, we're happy to be disagreeing with the times. Yeah, I'm so tired of the Hertha spent money. No, they didn't. Not this summer. Hertha won't go down. Schalke, Bremen, Cone, Augsburg and Bochum all were sides. Yeah, I think we did mention that, yeah, this year they haven't spent as much money. I think only in Kangam they actually spent a fee on so far. I think obviously Boatius is a, for me, he's an improvement of a signing. I think he's the kind of guy they need to bring in more. A, a player that knows the Bundesliga, has done well in the Bundesliga for Mainz. And I think, yeah, he's a positive sign. I think they do have some good players in there. I think Luca Bacchio could potentially do well this season. No one will ever convince me on David Selke, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> and there's a few players in there that I'm really not a big fan of, in all honesty. But I think maybe John Joe Kenny could be a useful addition as well. I think he looked half decent for Everton at times. But yeah, I hope you prove us wrong because I do believe that the Bundesliga needs big clubs like Hertha Berlin in the league. But from what I've seen so far, I'm not being overly convinced. But I'd be happy for you guys to, to prove us wrong, that's for sure. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, and also Ballum as well, an interesting little comment as well about, um, yeah, Goethe. So, yeah, good reminder, Mario Goethe is back in the Bundesliga. Yeah, the World Cup hero for Germany. Yeah, I think he'll always be loved as well. He's one of those kind of universally loved players in Germany because obviously of what he did for Germany, the World Cup winner. But, yeah, in terms of his performance against Bayern, I didn't find it overly convincing. But, obviously, it's a bit of a baptism of fire, let's be honest. So the first yeah. game back in the Bundesliga against buying on that kind of form but yeah i do hope i'd love to see him do better as well but let, let it be interesting to see how he does this season on his return to the bundesliga so yeah any closing comments rory or are we going to kind of sign out 
No, I think we're all good. Uh, good to be back in general. Um, our shows that we're going to be doing, obviously, on a kind of bi-weekly basis, will be yeah more focused on the featured four. So next next week, we'll probably just be picking one kind of talking point and going through that. So we just want to keep things fresh for you guys. If there's anything in particular that you'd like to see from us, just ask us and we'll see what we can do. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to Wednesday, Super Cup, watch along, make sure you tune in because that should be brilliant fun. Absolutely. So yeah, if you enjoyed what you saw today, then remember to check out our Twitter feed at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Also check out our main site, which is otvfootball.net. You know, we've done a lot of work over that over the summer and we've still got a lot of good articles as well coming out written by Paul McGarricky and some other, uh, I think Rory's also uh, written an article recently uh, about the Bundesliga. Do you want to tell us about that one a bit? Yeah, sure. It's just a quick one uh, in regards to maybe uh, five newcomers to the league that are excited, excited to have a quick look at. So, yeah, go to the main site and see which five I've chosen. And, yeah, if you agree or disagree. Absolutely, yeah. And obviously remember to like, comment and subscribe. We are starting to grow at a pretty decent rate that we're quite happy with. But obviously tell your friends if you enjoy what you see. You know, keep checking out our watch-alongs too. And yeah, just keep enjoying the content. And what's been really good recently is a number of comments as well and very active people we've been getting on. We, we don't care if you agree or disagree with us. You know, we just yeah. want you to interact. And we love talking to like like-minded people and Bundesliga fans. And, you know, just keep commenting with us. Don't be afraid if, to disagree with us at times, you know, as well. We're absolutely fine with that. So, yeah, it's absolutely great. And as, as Rory said, check us out as well. We'll be... Uh, I think five to nine European time, five to eight UK time. We'll be going live on Wednesday to do the watch along where we'll be kind of giving our views on the game and, you know, on what's going to happen for those of you, especially some of those guys who obviously uh, don't have access to the game live, but also some of you guys might prefer us as alternative commentary to obviously the mainstream commentators as well. So, you know, you can also use us as a kind of commentary as you're watching the game. So check us out. And we'll see you there, guys. See you later. Here's all.